0: Let's go in depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Hawk Central on 1460
1: KXNO. Wow. All right, let's get going, guys. It's uh Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. No Chad Lysico this week. It's uh it's another furlough week for Chad. But uh we have Eric Zamora hanging out with us here for this hour. And uh Mark Emmert is with us also, and we uh, we love getting Mark Emmert's takes on all things, but man, this seems like another very I mean, important week. Uh, and amazing times we're living in. Mark, how are you, buddy?
0: I'm, I'm doing well. How are you, Ross?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, let's first talk about what the the last couple weeks have been like for you with, uh, uh, with the different beat. Now, you are, are you back now to doing Hawkeye stuff? How, what are things like in Johnson County for you?
0: Yeah, I came back. I was up in Minneapolis uh, for six days uh, covering the demonstrations up there and the aftermath of, uh, George Floyd's death actually covered his memorial service. Uh, boy, that was last Thursday, I guess. And then, uh, came back to, to Iowa city. So that was for USA today. And then, uh, got back in town. And I think, uh, just in time for this, uh, situation with the Hawkeyes to kind of explode on social media. I was watching that, uh, on my Twitter feed and Chad was obviously working hard, with really going about it and, uh, really, really uh, opening stuff. Uh, a lot of very alarming stories. This is a really pivotal time in our country, for sure. But also, I think for this particular football program, there's a lot of a lot of questions they have to answer right now.
1: Hey, Mark, my take on it uh, on Monday, as we were trying to still kind of process everything, you know, um, and hear me out here because I think some of this stuff comes across as uh, as as maybe insensitive at first. But but I just I want people to understand what my thought process was during this uh, this all happening. When I woke up on, uh, I believe, what, what was it? Gosh, it's, time is so weird lately. Was it Sunday morning that all of this was really kind of unfolding, where we were seeing the uh, uh, the, the, the the James Daniels stuff, or was it Saturday morning? I
2: was say, it had to have been Saturday because I, I know it was touched by okay. Emery and Sean on Saturday that's, morning. Uh, that's pre-game. right. That's yeah.
1: right. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Because, again, Like, I could hear it in James Daniel's
0: sleep was Friday.
1: Was Friday night, okay. Okay, so it was Friday, Saturday morning. Because I was asleep pretty early Friday, didn't see really all of this happening. I woke up early Saturday morning and then was reading all of this stuff. And I I tried to look for as many specifics. I tried to look for as many different accounts as I could. And the first couple accounts and the first couple of things that I found were things like uh, the uh, the, the comments of, well, they, that we had to cover up our tattoos. Uh, I think it was Juliel Johnson who said, I got yelled at once for not tying my shoes the right way. <laughs> and I saw those things and I thought, well, this is just discipline stuff. This, that's not race things. Okay. And then I, 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 I saw more things come in. I saw some more specific things about Doyle and, uh, and these accusations of him kind of mocking players and using some really uncomfortable language and some things that I would say were over the line, and then it, it, it kind of just went from there. Okay, and what happened? The what happened with me, Mark, was I started to reevaluate some of those initial thoughts because it none of these guys were coming out and saying, "Man, Greg Doyle's a racist, Kirk Ferentz a racist." These guys need to lose their jobs. They were all uh, they were all kind of singing the exact same tune, which was. There's an issue. There's a problem. There's this There's this underlying tone that even they don't get sometimes. So I, I had to go back and reevaluate, and I decided on Monday at some point that, man, this conversation about the Iowa Hawkeyes seems to be a perfect microcosm for what's happening in the country. Because a lot of my friends are reading these stories. They're seeing the uh, – they're seeing these stories and they're thinking, well, that's not racist. That's not there's no race things there. That's just discipline. But when you've got a few dozen black guys standing up and saying this is a problem, that's when it's a good time for understanding. It's a good time to stop and go, OK, what am I missing? What have I done? Or What have I said? Because I'm, I'm remembering now. I'm, I don't have any tattoos. I think tattoos are kind of dumb but they aren't any sort of cultural expression for me. And that was what, when, when, when you say tattoos are dumb, or you say that tattoo's dumb, not understanding what the significance of that is, not just for being a kid from Detroit, but being a black man from Detroit. It's not heard as, boy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a tattoo like that. It's heard as your expression of your culture is stupid. And I, 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 I really found myself on Monday looking at all of this stuff as a diehard Hawkeye fan, as a guy that likes Kirk Ferentz and really likes Coach Doyle. We just had him on the show with us two weeks ago, ten days ago or whatever it was. Two, we, we were on the air with this guy. And we had, this, we had a conversation last week that was really deep and really good about what race is like inside the Iowa locker room. That was Wednesday last week. So I just I, it, that's that was how I kind of processed all of this stuff that came out. As I woke up, as it was Saturday morning. Again, time is so weird. I could hear it in your voice when you were remembering George Floyd's um, uh, memorial service from last Thursday. It it, it, it feels like weeks ago, um, and this the story does too. I can't remember which day. So Saturday, as I was watching this stuff. Sunday, as I was processing it more. I went through all of this stuff. I could I could appreciate what a lot of people went through. And where a lot of people still are, because I was there at one point, the idea of man, I want a lot more details. The idea of I, I need more specifics because I'm not willing to say that Greg Doyle is a racist or that and I'm and nobody is saying that. Shouldn't say that. I'm not willing to say there's a problem yet because I don't see it. And then I, 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 the more guys that came out and kind of said that same thing of there's issues, there's these things, we're walking on eggshells. Whichever one of the dozens of tweets you want to pull out, that kind of had that same tone. I feel like that was when my, my how I was processing this kind of changed a little bit. Uh, so can you just kind of walk me through your weekend? What how these how you were receiving these messages, these tweets people you maybe reached out to or things that, Chad, uh, that brought to your attention?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, uh, you're right. I think your, your experience is probably like that of many Hawkeye fans that had no idea this, was, this kind of stuff was going on. I think uh, a lot of us were caught by surprise initially by uh, just the volume of the complaints. And then I think the way they kind of all seemed to fit into a pattern. I mean, it kind of made sense. The more guys I complaining, they just felt like they were not allowed African American players were not allowed to be themselves to express themselves. The clothing they wore, we get criticized. The way they wore their hair, we get criticized. Uh, the comments of "I'm going to send you back to the ghetto or back to the streets." I mean, that's just way over the line. And uh, obviously, they they felt black players were singled out uh, more than white players in, the, in these instances. And also the the claims that uh, the drug testing is is done on a, on a biased yeah. uh, you know scale that, that black players are test, tested a lot more than white players, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. An accusation that uh, Kirk Ferentz said he does not believe is true, but didn't offer any support or proof to back that up. I mean, enough guys came out and said that too. That there is—that's uh, an issue. I mean, it's, it's a big issue, and it's—you're uh, right. A lot of players are saying they're not calling for anybody to be fired necessarily, or you know, that somebody's head has to roll. They just want things to get better uh, because their, their experience was not optimal. Uh, even though they they kind of you know got through it and did what they did and i'm sure they had you know many good memories as well with their teammates but it shouldn't you shouldn't have to you know pay this kind of price to be a member of the hawkeye football team and a lot of uh, african-american players have transferred i mean have just decided that this is not for me and uh, you know we have countless examples of those i'm i'm actually going to speak to one i, I won't mention a name but, but this evening uh, i'm scheduled to interview one of them to see what his experiences were like and uh you know that's just not the same that's happening with with the white players i also think if you look at kind of who who they make available to the media, who they single out for praise over the years in this program. It tends to be, you know, the, the white, hardworking guy, the salt of the earth, Iowa kid. Um, they don't really go out, go out of their way to promote their African-American athletes as much. Um, certainly Akron Wildly kind of felt that as a star player that was, uh, you know, kind of um, shunned at times uh, by the coaching staff. So, there is a pattern here that's disturbing. Obviously, it needs to be investigated a lot more. We don't know the whole story. There's no way to, to make any kind of, you know, all-encompassing claim of you know racism. Certainly, but but there's enough there to suggest that uh, that things need to get better. And uh, certainly, if they want to recruit on a national level the way they have been, they need to explain how they're going to change things going forward. Because why would you, right now, as an African American athlete or as a family, let your child come here knowing what you know right now? So. The uh, the placement of Chris Doyle on administrative leave uh, obviously is a big big step. That's a sign that uh, um, maybe his days here are numbered. Um, because typically, when you get placed on an administrative leave, I don't know a lot of guys that come back from that. We'll see. There is an investigation, so he's, nothing has happened yet. But you saw his son transferred out of the program or announced that he's going to last night. And so then we'll see what 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 happens in place of that. What happens with Brian Ferens, who has been mentioned by a, by a few of the uh, former athletes. Uh, obviously, there's a, that's a real dicey situation. You talk about the head coach's son, who technically reports to Gary Barda, but we all know that that's uh, probably a little misleading as well. I'm sure his dad, you know, calls a lot of the shots there and, and does a lot of his you know performance review. And um, and then Kirk Florence, Ferentz himself, you know, in his, entering his 22nd year, the longest tenured head coach and in major college football. Uh, what, what does this do to his legacy going forward? He's, he said he wants to listen and, and fix this stuff, but uh, that's just words. We've got to see what the actions are. We're going to have a, a long time before this to play out, but uh, hmm. I think people's emotions and their opinions are going to change and probably shift day by day, hour by hour, depending on what they read and what they see and what they want to believe. But uh, it's um, it's become a national story, and it's certainly for all the wrong reasons if you're the Iowa football program. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think it's... It's really ultimately a very healthy dialogue to have, long overdue, obviously, and I do think there is a chance that a lot of good can come out of this if it's handled the right way.
2: Ross, this is a difficult topic to even figure out a way to start to get into, and there are a couple of things that I want to point out that I really liked with how you've particularly kind of delved in. First of all, you saying out front, and I remember I actually went back and listened to our um, show yesterday, and you mentioned that... That, that you come right out and say, look, I don't get it. I, I, I'm trying to learn everything I can, but just that admission, I think means a lot because right now there are a lot of Caucasian people in this country that whether they mean to or not through their words and actions are kind of giving off the impression like, hey, look, I know what people of color are going through. And There's a lot of people who would say, man, just that admission of I, I, I can't understand. I can sympathize. I can empathize, but I don't understand and I want to learn. That's a big part of it. Another thing I've gotten recently into watching a lot of like Neil deGrasse Tyson videos. And one of the things that I love about Neil deGrasse Tyson, he says, you know, it's just as much of a mistake to assume that everything we think we know is correct as it is for the people who are conspiracy theories and say, well, I'm going to question Every single thing. I think you had the right approach to this. You kind of went into it, and you didn't, you didn't look for outrage. You d- you you said to yourself, okay, initially some of this stuff sounded like it wasn't that that big of a deal. It wasn't until you kind of delved into it, but you weren't looking for outrage. But at the same time, obviously, you weren't so close-minded yeah. that you went in going, well, there can't be outrage, and let me find. You didn't go searching for facts to back up your stance you, you 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 kinda went to it and said, I'm gonna take a look at everything and then I'm gonna build my stance on what I see and hear. Uh,
1: I, I wanna take that compliment but i I need to defer it because I'll be honest with this is something I was gonna ask Mark about. The reason that happened, Z, was because of the way these dominoes fell. I'm a you know, man, I'm a real cynical guy. I believe I buy into conspiracy theories. I'm kind of a dummy. So had had the first guy that came out been DJ Johnson, who just transferred, mm-hmm. had the first guy that come out been DJ K, who we've known for a while, had, I don't, know, I don't even know what the right word is for it, an axe to grind, a story to tell, whatever it was.
2: Left on bad had terms. Had those yeah. been
1: the first dominoes to fall, it I probably, Z, would not have lived up to that praise that you just gave me. The fact that that first domino was a millionaire who got through the system and benefited greatly from it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, uh, Mark, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about because as this story unfolded these last couple of days, one of the rumblings I've heard, and maybe, maybe it's the same with you, you know, I walk into an office and there's three or four guys hanging out, and they go, hey, let's talk about the Hawks real quick. One of the things that almost instantly gets brought up is, man, this has to be going on at other places. And I, I think one of the things that allowed for this story to, to grow, to get the legs, to get people to believe in it, were the the way that this thing fell the the way these dominoes fell james daniels comes up and says something jaleel johnson you got a couple other nfl guys that benefited greatly from this system that stood up first and said hey there's an issue and then that kind of gave the cover for guys like dj johnson and eventually djk for us to embrace this had the had the first story that come out been djk on thursday i think this all this this whole thing plays out differently Am I crazy in that, or, or or is the way that these these guys stood up first is that what allowed for this these other dozens of guys to step up?
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, let's, let's also give credit to Faith Ackahdi because I think he was one of the first players yeah. I saw speak out and mentioned. You mentioned Chris Doyle specifically as as part of the you know kind of an impediment there for for progress or for change. And and obviously he's not an NFL guy. I think he played the CFL, and I'm not sure if he's still playing up there, but. Uh, certainly, a uh, you know a very stand-up guy in his time here. Uh, you know, one of your one of your more accomplished leaders. You know, a very impressive young man. You're right, James Daniels. Uh, you know, got through the program in three years, and uh, came back to get his ba- uh, bachelor's degree, and is now working on a master's degree over here. You know, certainly a uh, guys. These guys are all claim that they're Hawkeyes through and through. Right, they're not yeah. lobbing grenades from the outside. They want us to get better. They they believe in this program. Um, they are still proud to be associated with it. Uh, and they just want, it, like I said, they just they want improvement, and and they're and they're calling for it now. And I think they've been emboldened. Certainly, uh, obviously, the the comments that Kirk Ferentz made on on national TV on the Scott Van Pelt show I think started this. And they kind of said, Yeah, yeah. wait a minute, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's not as great as you say it is. Uh, let me let's 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 throw a few other facts out here. Also, certainly, what's going on in the country. I mean, there's no question that there's going to be a lot of very uncomfortable conversations around race uh, all over this country as a result of what we're seeing right now. Again, long overdue in most cases, um, and hopefully productive, and, and something positive comes out of them. But that's certainly, um, you know, the backdrop of this story. And also, let's talk about the social media issue with the with the current players. I mean, they ba- essentially went to Kirk Ferentz and said, "Hey, you know, I know there's this Twitter ban uh, that you've had for years uh, for whatever reason, and um, but we want to be able to participate in, in the national conversation. Like, there's all our peers are out there right now talking about what they believe in terms of." You know how, how this country can be better regarding its treatment of African Americans, uh, and we ha- we have strong feelings about that. You know we are adults, we live in this country, we have a different experience and a different uh, background than you do, Mr. ference Can we go out there and and actually share our opinions? And uh, they kind of relented on that a little bit. They were going to allow one tweet a month, I guess, but they they certainly had to back back off that once this thing started rolling downhill on them, and, and now it's become more of a. A blanket just allowing anyone to be on Twitter, but I mean that that was a big part of it. These these, these current athletes, and if you've seen them on Twitter, uh, very impressive, very well thought, yeah. deeply felt uh, messages about how, how this can be better. It's, it's all very much positive about like we can't allow this to keep continue in our country anymore. And and, and,
1: and a message gonna, of unity of change. Yeah, Mark, they've had a yeah. real, they had a unified message as, as they came out, which is right. you know, uh, I, I thought showed a lot of. It helped a lot with whatever healing had to happen. I kind of say that with air quotes, but I, that whatever that process was that had to happen to get everybody back on the same page started to happen. See, go ahead, man.
2: One of the yeah. things that I think. Well, yeah, oh, go ahead, Mark.
0: I would say that. I mean, this is why we send our young people to college, right? Right here. Yeah. It's to to have these conversations and to and to show that what they're made of and and to kind of work their way through these things. And we need to listen to them because they are very very intelligent uh, young men. Hmm.
2: One of the best examples of of what an issue it is, is the fact that you went so long where you weren't hearing too much, and -hmm. then all of a sudden, once you got that snowball going down the hill, it picked up so much momentum. And some people will still try to go, okay, well, why weren't you coming out earlier? And that just goes to show you that this many people had some sort of issue, but felt like man. I am not going to look good and it's it's going to make it harder on my life. Even after they had left the program, it's very similar to for decades, there was nothing bad said about Bill Cosby. And then it took a couple of people. And all of a sudden you literally had dozens of people going, wow, I I went through the exact same thing, but I just didn't think that I could stand that, that credibility fight. And so I, I think that that, just kind of demonstrates what an uphill battle it can be at times, even for the people who have jumped in with some of the things that were a little bit minor. Still, their thought was mm-hmm. if I bring this up, you know, how is history going to remember me? Am I going to be the person that gets shunned and should have been told, you know, hey, get in line and, and just deal with it? Oh, oh Z, yeah, yeah right. I, mean, I think. Go ahead, Mark.
0: That's why a lot of people, I think, uh, a lot of the former players singled out James Daniels for praise. they saying, "Yeah, thanks so much for bringing this up." Like, because they could tell that like it had been weighing on them for you know years in some cases, and and they like didn't they didn't know that when the appropriate time or place was to, to talk about their experiences publicly. And I think James Daniels kind of uh, allowed them to do that hmm. uh, in their mind, like by kind of getting this thing started. They all felt like, "Now, okay, now it's my time too." Yeah. And uh, I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit for this. Honestly, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some people that are that are mad at him or whatever, but uh, uh, I think it's really you can just tell by the reaction that what he did is maybe the first step toward healing, and it's gonna it's not gonna be it's not gonna be pretty at all times. It's gonna be difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, it wouldn't have happened, I don't think, if he hadn't come out and did what he did.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Faith Cackley. I, I and again, it's just there's mm-hmm. so much stuff happening on the planet right now. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I forgot that that he was a guy that was early on. Started this conversation, and then James Daniels, after that, uh, um, yeah, my timeline was wrong there. It was the national conversation, got started with Kirk Ferentz going on. Was it Scott Van Pelt? He went on, something like that? It was, yeah. And then James Daniels' response to that was what provided all this kind of cover, because, yeah, had it been a bunch of guys that had transferred out, had it been some guys that um, didn't make it to the NFL, it would have been so easy to say, sour grapes, man. You just, yeah, yeah, you you didn't benefit from the, and and they were just trying to get the best out of you. And I do think that there is not an excuse for this. the The reasoning behind a lot of this is, man, you are trying to motivate and missed the mark badly on a lot of it, and it's about that understanding that we we talked about, Quincy.
2: And again, that kind of goes to show the power structure when you have a player or a former player who is seen as someone who doesn't have you know any reprimands doesn't have a a record that has any holes that you can poke through it makes a stronger case if you were to have people who were white players say that th- it would be the same kind of argument people would say wow if you were to have a coach come out and say something like and and that's one of the issues that we we discussed at length yesterday DJK and about whether or not, you know how much credibility has, and and whether it holds water, and when you have people who are coming from perceived or not, uh, or I, I should say the, that that have power, whether they perceive to or not, stepping up it makes that much of a difference because again, some of those people who maybe would have come forward would have gone, yeah, but you know what, I got in trouble or I got suspended, and are people going to dismiss this as well? I can find a motive right now, and I'm going to tear Absolutely. holes into their argument right. because, you know, uh, the end of my career didn't go as I and the coaches and the fans wanted to, so then people are automatically going to go, well, this is th- that player saying that. If an All-American said it, it would have been different.
1: Man, so much more stuff here. We want to get uh, to Dylan Doyle as I announced that he is leaving the program. I had entered the transfer portal yesterday. This is something that I brought up uh, on on Monday's program, like, man, the the 400th thing right now that, that we should be worried about. But it was something that I thought, that's going to be really tough for that young man to go back into that locker room. And uh, they obviously had that same conversation. We'll get Mark's reaction to that. Uh, and even this DJ K stuff, we haven't had a chance to break into that. Any of the kneeling things that have come out, uh, the that unified message that we talked about from this Hawkeye team, A part of that unified message was kind of a you're with us or against us type of thing. We'll get into that and Hawkeye fans' response to that as we roll along with Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
2: Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO.
1: All right, and I apologize to all you guys that are giving us a call right now because I know this is hot topics, and I know that uh, a lot of you want to weigh in on this. We did record this a little bit earlier in the day today. There were a few reasons that uh, that we knocked this thing out. Um, so we apologize because I know you guys want to weigh in on this. We've taken a lot of calls on the Fanatics the last couple of days, and we're going to continue to do this. This is not a conversation that is easy or is light work. Uh, it's going to take a long time for us to uh, to get to a point where we can talk about this and everybody's uh, okay with it. Um, and a lot of this, you know, the, we, we talk about that unified message that did come out of this Hawkeye locker room, it seemed, this week. One of the things, Mark, that did come out that was uh, seemed to be a unified message was, hey, you're either going to support our, uh, our not even our, support our message, you're either going to support the fact that we're speaking out or you're not a Hawkeye fan, and I, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing Kayvon Merriweather there, but it was something to that effect of of Hey, get behind us here! If you're a Hawkeye fan, if you're a real Hawkeye fan, you're going to get behind the guys that are wearing uh, the black and gold. And that was seen. I did see some weird responses to that, Mark. I saw a lot of well, this is this is it. We've gone too far now. Have you seen? I, I mean, I hate to even. Have you seen the polarization that's happening in America? Have you seen some of these uh, responses?
0: Yeah, and I I guess that was typical. I think I'm sure uh, Kayvon anticipated that with his original tweet. You can kind of tell that he was basically saying, you know, we want to play, we'd rather play in front of a thousand fans that really, really believe in us as human beings and not just, you know, athletes than, you know, a stadium full of people that actually just, you know, don't care what happens to us once the game is over, what happens to us, you know, Sunday through Friday and what we have to deal with on the streets of this country when we go back to our hometowns, And so that's that's basically his message. And I saw all of his teammates, a lot of former players, really, really supportive of that, saying, right on, that's exactly right. But yeah, and you're going to have some people that say, you know, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sell my season tickets or whatever or not renew them if you guys kneel or whatever you do. Uh, and that's that's going to be the reality. And we'll see how people actually follow through on that threat right? if they if they actually say that, will they actually do that, when they actually not go to games based on the behavior of their – the athletes during the National Anthem, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's certainly clear to me that there will be some kind of uh, demonstration by the team during National Anthem. I mean, it won't be the same thing that's been in the past. I'm not sure if it will be kneeling or what they'll end up doing. But uh, certainly, at this point, they can't walk that back. I mean, if they did nothing, uh, that would raise a lot of questions yeah. now because they all seem like they're very much on board with, hmm. with doing something. And Kirk Ferentz, again, going back to maybe even before the interview with Scott Van Pelt, he, he kind of opened the door again by suggesting to media uh, I was not on this call. I think it was a week and a half ago or so. Right. That uh, he would be open this. for the first time to some kind of a demonstration during the National Anthem. Like before in the past, he's pretty much shut that down. And now he's saying if, it, if it's what everybody wants to do, then I'm fine with it as long as it's going to be all, everybody's got to agree that we're going to all do it together or none of us are going to do it. Um, and that for the first time, and that, actually that was exactly what James Daniels referenced in his original tweet, He said, if, if the Iowa football team meals during the National Anthem, that will be a huge sign that they're you know, a progress, basically. Like, they're moving forward because there's been, in his words, years of discrimination in that program against African-American players. So, um, I, I mean, at this point, I, the, something is going to be done by this, by this team. I mean, there's just no question that they're going to they're gonna express themselves. They've been given the green light. You can tell they're all on board with that. Uh, I'm assuming there's actually going to be games played, but but uh, assuming that there is, um, you know, look for that to happen, and then we'll see what the reaction is from the public. I, I mean... Um, they certainly have the right to do that. They're, they're American citizens. They're adults.
2: I think you can support if the University of Iowa does some sort of demonstration and not agree with it at the same time. You can l- look at someone's actions and go, if I were in your shoes, that's not how I would do it. However, I understand yeah. that that is something that is going to be a lightning rod, and I applaud you for it because that's kind of the symbol of this country is that other people do things that we would never do and they're protected under that banner. So I, I understand that it is going to be difficult for people to see. And I think that's the purpose. The the, the idea behind exactly. it is we're trying to do something that will make things a little bit uncomfortable for people because and, and, and what I would really reach out to those people who say, you know what if if this happens then I'm I'm done with supporting the University of Iowa athletics what I would instead charge those people or challenge them with is what can we do between now and then to try to say okay let's let's make enough change so that by the time the first football game rolls around the f- the football team can instead march out and go we're not kneeling Because we were looking for change and we're seeing it as opposed to just saying, "Okay, well, they're going to do this. So therefore, it's almost like like planning the next move in a game of chess. Why don't you think a step ahead and instead say, hey, if this is what they're after and what we're after is respecting the national anthem and the flag then let's find a way to compromise as opposed to getting ready to be combative.
1: I had not thought of the point that Mark made. That's good, good Z. I had not thought of the point that Mark made that they can't back away from this now. It's not like now you can say, okay, we decided we aren't going to do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, Murph, kind of say to your point there, Z, that there's been this conversation about removing the anthem. Get, but, hey, just get rid of it. Just mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's divisive, just don't play it. There's no reason that we have to play it. And I think Murph said it on his show yesterday, kind of a little bit to your point there. You have to. Not that you yeah. have. Right now. Now, it, you, have now to. you have to. If if a month ago we, you would have said, hey, by the way, we decided we're not going to do this. Pandemic thing has made us reevaluate a bunch of stuff. We're not going to do the National Anthem. It wouldn't be an issue. It, well, I mean, you know, we'd still be having the Kaepernick, Kaepernick conversation and... But that would have been a, a time to do that now you have to do it you got to you have to let this thing play out and mark's right it's going to have uh there, something will happen, and it will happen in the way that you talk about that will be disruptive and, and for some people and for hopefully a lot of us uncomfortable going okay, to make us think Dylan Doyle announced yesterday mark that uh that he was entering the transfer portal that well, I don't think was a surprise necessarily no. we 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 talked about on Monday about. Uh, Just what a difficult time that's got to be for that young man also. And my heart, I I mean, again, it's sad that we have to keep putting things in this safe space conversation. In the grand scheme of things, this is not the, the great injustice in the world. But, man, it's a sad deal. This kid has wanted to be an Iowa Hawkeye his whole life, dreamt of being the guy that runs out or maybe leads that swarm out, as far as you and I were concerned when we talked about it Mark, we thought he was going to be a starter this year, right? I mean, he's going to be a big contributor on this football team. Uh yeah, yeah he, he
0: definitely would have been in the mix, yeah, yes.
1: Yeah, so I mean, just I I I thought of all of that as this was as this was playing out over the last couple of days, and then yesterday seeing that news that he was entering the transfer portal, I'm sure that was heartbreaking for him. I know you've had a chance to at least get to get to know him. Uh, over the years here, what were your reactions to Dylan Doyle's uh, uh, transfer portal news?
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I actually that was one of the players I thought of too when they said you know players are coming back to campus on Monday for the first time. You know, after the coronavirus basically emptied the campus for a few months, and they're going to be able to you know work out in that facility again. You know, under you know strict guidelines. Uh, I thought, yeah, how how is Dylan Doyle going to function in there? You know, with his dad being placed on administrative leave, his dad basically ran that room for for 21 years, no longer there. All his teammates, uh, I mean, it would just be so uncomfortable and awkward. Uh, And now we don't know how this is going to play out going forward. Is is his dad going to be dismissed? Is his dad going to get his job back? If his dad is dismissed, is he going to file a lawsuit and fight this? Like, And how would would he be able to function on that team while all this plays out? I mean, it's just – I'm sure it's a really difficult decision for him to make. and am very sad, and I saw a lot of his teammates kind of wish him the best uh, you know, on his way out, but uh, I'm not sure what other decision he could have made. I don't know how he could have been a member of this team this year with all that was going on involving his own father. And so, um, you know, it is sad. It's, he's, he's kind of a you know, a bystander here that, that, that becomes one of the casualties of this uh, situation because, uh, obviously, I don't think anybody's accused him of anything. I mean, he's, by all accounts, been a very, very uh, good deep teammate, a diligent worker, you're right, he worked his way into starting three games last year as a redshirt freshman, uh, you know, while Christian Welch was dealing with his injury, so um, he did everything he could do, and was supposed to do, and was asked to do, but um, that's the scenario that he's, that he's basing, and I, and I mean, I think he made the right decision, and we'll see where he, where he ends up, and maybe he said he wants to go help some team win a national championship, maybe he'll get that chance, we'll see, but um, you're right, it, you just got to feel for the kid, there's yeah. nothing, I don't know that there's anything he could have done differently.
1: Yeah. Did you want to jump in on that? See? Okay. So a lot of people, Mark, are making some assumptions about what that means with Dylan Doyle being gone. That this means also nah. Coach Doyle is, uh, the, you know, the writing's on the wall here. I, I'm not so sure about that. Have you, I mean, no, I, do you me think, either. okay, okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing yeah. something there that was that was obvious. Um, I did think that Coach Doyle's, uh, Press release statement that he made, whatever that was, was a was one of those two for three things. Man, the first two paragraphs were right on the money. and It seems like everybody <laughs> seems to agree that third paragraph was a uh, eek, eek yikes moment. You know, those are the stuff it's that turn yeah 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 those are the stuff that you 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 believe and you say to your friends and you get your buddies around the neighborhood to say that stuff for you. You just don't say that stuff in your press release. That's supposed to be an apology to her. Um, so anyway, you're you are like me though. You're not. You don't think that just because Dylan Doyle is leaving, that means Coach Doyle is automatically gone.
0: No, I don't. I mean, I don't think that's been determined yet. For one thing, and and uh, I just think that any like I just said, any scenario involving his dad going forward, it's going to be ugly. Like I don't I don't see a situation where he just comes back and gets his job back and everybody says okay, everything's fine now and you know we we take back what we said about him and you know he goes to some sensitivity training and. And, you know, the world is great again. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be ugly there involving uh, Chris Doyle. I, I, don't, I don't see a good outcome there for him or that family, you know, how this whatever happens. And yeah. so, um, you know, why, why would his son want to be right in the middle of that, trying to play football, which is a very demanding sport and takes up a lot of his time. He's also an excellent student and, and you know, trying to manage his studies as well. I mean, I just think it would be way too distracting for him and probably for the team to have him out there. I mean, how many questions would they get about, you know, this guy's dad was – considered a problem in the a, in a, in a program he's been asked to leave or he's been you know whatever he's been reinstated whatever the situation is and yeah. now you got to play alongside his son how is that going for you so um like i said i just don't think there was any other choice that, yeah. that young man had to make
2: and looking at it from a positive perspective i think a lot of people are going to look at this and say okay well you know the dylan doyle had to do this but if you look at it from a glass, you know, half full perspective, maybe this is an opportunity for him to kind of stand out on his own. I mean, he's always kind of had that, you know, at the mm-hmm. University of Iowa having to work under, well, people, regardless how good you are, people are always going to say, OK, well, you're here because your right. your dad got you in the building. So now it gives him an opportunity to say, look, I, I love everything that my dad and the University of Iowa have done for me. But now it's an opportunity for me to become dylan doyle and not coach doyle's son
1: yeah good point that's really good see yeah and and he will blow people away with his work ethic in a weight room wherever he goes they're gonna go man you were raised different weren't you you're an animal in here kid yeah i'll be rooting for him man i I really will again it's i i don't want to lose the perspective of where that belongs in this conversation but it is something that is sad for me, that a kid that wanted this so badly was so close to being at that point where he was going to be a focal point of the team that he'd been growing up, idolizing and, uh, and being this real small part of in a very literal way uh, years ago, and now this close to being a big part of it. And that all gets uh, is lost now because of this stuff. Um, anyway, it's tough. Mark, I get confused sometimes when I think about how long you've been here um and, and like you're kind of that that donut Me of, too. <laughs> right we couldn't even remember two weeks ago uh, that donut of Hawkeye coverage that you've been a part of were you here in this in Iowa when uh, uh, DJK was a receiver for the Hawks
0: I I was yes I okay. covered uh, that team a little bit I was not the main beat guy but I helped out Andrew Logan and I I actually interviewed DJK once after a game for for how'd, a long time how'd that go still let him speak to the media he was great. It was a game. I can't remember the circumstances. But they 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 had to rally late to beat a team that was not a very good team. It was like a, one of those, you know, non Power Five teams that they in here early in the season and uh, and they did. They managed to get the win. And he was talking for a long time about like what he was thinking on the sidelines. He's like, "Boy, this will be so difficult for these fans. They put so much time and effort into, into this team, and they root so hard for us. If we lose this game, we're going to let them all down, and we can't do that." And I thought, well, "Wow, this guy's really impressive." He stood there for a long time. We were the last two ones in the interview room, and he and he had a toothpick in his mouth the whole time. I remember that too. He's kind of like work on this toothpick and give me his thoughts about, you know, how important this win was for the Hawkeyes and why they, you know, they couldn't afford to lose a game. And then I never talked to him again. Pretty soon after that, he was, he was banished from any media appearances, which is uh, a very rare step. But, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of friction there, you know, between him and the head coach and maybe some others. But, uh, but when you talk to him, yeah, he, he is a very impressive uh, young man. And he obviously uh, can be a lightning rod. Uh, he's, he's, he's had some erratic quotes and some erratic behavior, which he's admitted to obviously, but, uh, but, uh, there's, um, there's an interesting story there that I'm not sure we're ever going to get the truth about, yeah. you know, the full truth about, but, yeah. uh, it, there's a lot going on there behind the scenes, no question about it. And he was very talented, yeah. just a fantastic player.
1: Well, so like as a journalist, how do you, how do you handle somebody whose credibility is maybe, I don't know, questionable? Uh, where you're, you're just yeah. you know that some of the stuff you're hearing, the memories just can't be right. They just can't. I mean, do you do you reach out and try to corroborate all of those different things? Do you just take everything with a grain of salt? As a journalist, how do you handle
0: that? Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's a difficult qu- uh, question in this situation because um, I think he is unique among the former Hawkeyes. Just his relationship with the coach and the way the fans view him. He is such a like I said, lightning round, such a polarizing figure. There are people that I think as soon as they see the name DJ just dismiss anything that comes out of his mouth. They're like, Oh, we're done with this guy. We know he's whatever a flake or, you know, he has some issues. Um, but that's, that's wrong. I mean, there's certainly a lot there that he has to say that is, that is accurate. We know this. I mean, the, the garbage can incident that I think has been corroborated. um, but we also know he did. I mean, the arrest did happen as well. I mean, I was here when that happened, and that was a uh, that was a big deal. I mean, that was uh, some serious accusations there. How do you feel about that? As, how, do, right?
1: how do you feel about the thing about uh, yeah. uh, you know Kirk Ferentz had the police department in his back pocket and yeah. allegedly kind of yeah, told his mom uh, and dad that this was going to happen? That like I hear that stuff and I go, man, I just
0: can't. I can't. No, wrap that, my that head. that doesn't ring true at all. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh um, that's, uh, that's the thing. that's thing. that's where he kind of loses you, and you just think that. Um, I hate to say that he's just not the best spokesman for what has happened in this program. I mean, I think you've got sixty or seventy people speaking out and can provide specific examples and, and, and are credible and you know, believable, and, and that, that's good enough. Like for me, that's—I mean—that's a sign that you know there is a problem here. We need to look at. Like, like I don't—I don't need DJK to to give his story to, to let me know that there's a problem. Um, you know, I, I wish he was. Um, I guess. I wish we could kind of rely on him because I do think he he has a really unique perspective and and it could be really good at this time, but, um, you're right. He just, he, he he just goes so far sometimes. And he was, I mean, he clearly was a guy that, that loved the spotlight and uh, and, uh, the attention. And that's obviously one of the reasons why Kirk Ferentz did not like him. I I mean, we, we can all know that Kirk Ferentz does not like players that are, uh, seen as individuals, especially strong individuals on his team. I mean, I, I think we've got a lot of examples of that. Right. So, um, you can see where DJK and him kind of butted heads, and um, you know that's um, that's a different story to me. That's just like belongs in a different category, and, yeah. and I would love to know the true story someday. Maybe maybe there'll be a book that comes out or whatever. I just think in this current conversation, I'm just leery of, of the DJK stuff. I just think we, I, I just think there are other people that I've talked to that I that I think can make similar points, or even the same point, and uh, and no one can uh, you know, assail their character. They can just say, yeah, you know what, I believe it. I believe it because James Daniels said it, or Mike Daniels, or whoever, go down the list. Carl Davis, you know, these are all people that, that we know are up and up. And, uh, and when they say it, it carries a lot more weight.
2: Mark, a lot of the things that DJK got into were some specifics that would be difficult to corroborate. But one of the things uh, that I noticed he he brought up was kind of more of a general thought, and it was that the University of Iowa football program doesn't like people to be themselves. Do you think that mm-hmm. that type of statement holds water? Is the University of Iowa really looking for people who are going to blend in and not stick out, so to speak?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that's that's the case. I mean, I, I, we've heard that now from the several uh, former players. I mean, I certainly Akram Wadley would tell you the same thing. Um, Marvin McNutt you know, has basically said the same thing. And he was obviously very close with BJK. And just uh, um, real
1: quick, real quick, Mark, Marvin McNutt was on with uh, Murph and Andy earlier today.
0: Yeah. I think I yeah, saw that, yeah. that he was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy that I, I'm hoping to talk to later this week as well. So, um, um, Noah Fant, you know, now we got to yeah, go back man. and question all of that, that whole scenario. Um, and, and what do they have in common? Obviously is, is their race. Um, and so that's, that's what makes you stop and wonder like, were these black athletes, as they claim, basically suppressed from expressing themselves? Obviously, they couldn't go on Twitter. A lot of times, you know, Iowa controls who who speaks to the media. I mean, that's one way they can basically get, keep their message or keep things locked down, keep their message the same. They'll tell you what to say even before the media. I mean, they'll, they'll coach you up a little bit on that. Uh so Akron Wildly not going to Big Ten Media Days. I remember that was a, a bit controversial back in the day. Obviously, is one of their better players. Uh, you know, certainly loved speaking to the media. We all love talking to him. Um, so, you know, were they making decisions based on, you know, who was, you know, embodying the Hawkeye way, or was it something else? And I, and I think it was it was the latter. I mean, I think that there are certain guys that they wanted to put out in front of the media that they trusted to to kind of deliver the message and and not make it about themselves. And I don't think, you know, Ackerman Wadley was making it about himself so much. I mean, he was just being himself. And so that's, you know, that's what really needs to be. It's subtle, and it's tough to prove at times. But, I mean, I definitely think there is something there where, where you know, these, uh, these black athletes were not allowed the same, I guess, freedom of voice or expression that their, their white counterparts were.
1: All right, when we get back, we will race to the finish line here in this 6 o'clock hour. Uh, Heavy stuff on this Hawk Central, another really fantastic conversation. Not surprised at all that that's what we've got from our buddy Mark Emmer. Samora's hanging out with us uh, till uh, the top of the hour here on 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. This is Hawk Central.
2: Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460
0: KXNO.
1: All right, here we go. Uh, again, speed round. <laughs> Going to wrap up this Hawk Central program in these final couple of minutes before we hit the 7 o'clock hour. Mark, uh, you mentioned that you had been up in Minnesota. We know for the last several weeks you've been on the, the COVID beat over there in Johnson County, and then uh, you were back up near home in Minneapolis covering all of the stuff that's been happening uh, in your in your dear home state. Now, what's uh, what's the plan here for, for the next couple of weeks, or, the, or maybe what are the stories that you're working on right
0: now? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the, the players reported back on Monday. We all knew that was coming, as I said. So I was—I think the plan was to kind of ease me back into some sports coverage this week to begin with. Uh, and then uh, with Chad being out, as you mentioned, and then uh, with all that's going on, it became more of a full-time uh, sports week for me. Uh, I'm on furlough next week, so it's basically just from between now and the end of this week. But uh trying to work on some more like you know issue-oriented stories surrounding this thing. I've, I've got four things on my plate right now. I, I did have a really nice... Uh, a really enlightening conversation with a legal expert today about what's ahead. Because I'm not sure we've talked much about this, but uh, with this situation, there is almost certainly going to be litigation on one side or the other, no matter what happens with the University of Iowa going forward. So I kind of can maybe lay out some of those scenarios, like what they could be facing here and what the, the potential liability is for the university. Man, you know, Mark, or you not, whatever do, however they handle oil.
1: You know, I'll be honest, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Had not even yeah, considered. this thing is going to
0: happen in court. I'm almost sure of that. Yeah, uh, and you know what? What the whole the Twitter ban, the social media, like how how insulated the players were from basically the public at times, uh, you know how how that has fed into all this. I want to examine that. Certainly, want to take a look at. Let's say that a year from now, uh, this thing is over. Like they've they've gone through their studies, they've had their advisory committee make its recommendations, they've implemented a lot of those changes. What would what would the ideal scenario look like for the Hawkeye football team a year from now if they if they actually kind of conquer this, master this, get this to 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 everybody where everybody wants it to be, black and white. And uh, talk to some experts and some former players about what what do they want to see happen going forward, ideally for this program. And then, um, you know, I got one more that I'm not sure I should talk about yet because I'm not sure it's going to come together. I've been working pretty hard on it, but uh, but stuff like that. I think
1: those sound like some pretty big important stories,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. i have got to talk to as many former players as I can, actually. So, wow, It's it's been interesting. On and off the record,
1: I am. Uh, I, I am really fascinated about the lawsuit stuff. I again, I didn't yeah. even consider it. As soon as you said that, my brain. They brain's
0: are in a tough spot. at The university, no matter what they do, that's the bottom line. That's uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> this is going to be tough for them. I think either way they approach the the Chris Doyle situation,
1: man. Mark, uh, no better way to just uh, walk your way back into the shallow end of the sports pool. Oh Always <laughs> something huh? <laughs> yeah, this is like getting kicked into that deep end by your uncle, man. Okay, I know.
0: And, and on I, I, I had a coronavirus test today, so it's been a great week.
1: When will you find that news out? Three days. Best of luck to you. Keep us posted. Now, Thanks, now, now, I'm going to be here. on. Now, I'm going to be on Pins and Needles for three days. Crap. <laughs> Good luck sure. to you, Mark. Thank you so much, man. Awesome, so. awesome, awesome, awesome stuff tonight, as always is the case. Love chatting with that guy. Z, thanks a lot for hanging out with us, no man. No problem. Uh, all right, we'll be back at it tomorrow morning. Morning Rush will start your day at 6 a.m. here on 1460 No and 106.3 FM.